0: This is El Greco's famous painting entitled Pentecost, quite atmospheric really, it's the day that changed everything. The birthday of the church when God kept his promise through Jesus and changed people utterly. And if you think, well, I'm having a hard time celebrating today, Mark, considering everything that happened. Well consider this. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit is. Hope and life and light in the darkness. We were hearing a moment ago about praising God in the darkness. Well, let the evil one know you're not afraid of the dark. And why not? Because the one in you terrifies the darkness. He really does. The Holy Spirit, we often think, gosh, isn't the darkness impressive? Isn't it frightening? Isn't it awful? I tell you they are terrified of the Holy Spirit who lives inside you. Next please. So there is nothing new about this doctrine. This in the background are the ruins of St Sophia in Nicaea where a certain set of words was put together. Perhaps we could just read them together. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who together with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. The Holy Spirit and the Church are absolutely in an indissoluble union. The Lord said he will not be withdrawn ever. He's been given to us without him the church would not be. It's as simple as that. This morning around 2.3 billion people would call themselves Christians. Now however many of those are really born again of the spirit of God. When the Lord said, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's wonderful that it's so. Next slide please. Well, every preacher wishes he could preach like Peter that day. Um, Being taken from a man who had denied the Lord with swearing and cursing and the black despair that followed that he gets up and the Lord uses him simply amazingly. This is the last sermon in the series, Simply Good News. I guess you might call it profoundly good news as well. Do you know there is more to being a Christian than the forgiveness of your sins? That is wonderful. There is more to being a Christian than adoption into the family of God. Fantastic. There is more to being a Christian than being brought into the family of God like this. There's a gift. There's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter says this, repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is all part of the You okay around there? Can you hear me okay? Right, okay. And you say, well, that was all right. This was just for Pentecost Day. This was. This was kind of a one-off. It was an amazing event. That's specifically not the case. Look what Peter says. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off and for as many as the Lord your God will call. This is for the church everywhere and for every time. Those who accepted his word were baptised and all of a sudden... 3,000 people were added to their number. So just imagine this church. Someone comes and says, Here you are, church. 3,000 baby Christians. Enjoy. That's what happened. Simply amazing. Next slide, please. What is this spirit thing? Um, Some Christians get awfully nervous when you start talking about spirit. uh, As if it's something alien and weird and that kind of thing. Well, there are several words the scripture uses. The Hebrew word is ruach, or breath, spirit, wind. It means all of those. And there are various phrases like the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of God, the spirit of inspiration, which is a bit like Shekinah. It means the presence, the dwelling of God with his people. In the Greek, the word is pneuma, which also means breath, spirit. It has the idea of motion, uh, which I guess is a bit like wind, isn't it? The Latin word spiritus means something very close to the same. In English, well, it can mean several things. The non-physical part of a person, that's a bit closer to what the Greek people called psyche. We could talk about the real meaning of something, you know, in the spirit of the agreement the real person that survives death or a supernatural non-bodily being. You think, whoa, Mark, you're going off on slightly unusual stuff here. Next slide, please. No, I'm not. Here's the Lord Jesus. It is central to salvation. It is central to new birth. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear the sound. You can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with Everyone born of the Spirit. Next slide, please. There's progressive revelation in the Scriptures. In much of the Old Testament, it's God over us. God is revealed as the Creator, the Holy One of Israel, the One and Only, the Mighty, the God of the angel armies, and all this sort of thing. And yet, there is plenty in the Old Testament about the Holy Spirit coming on people, like Samson, who was able to pick up a jawbone of an ass and kill loads and loads of Philistines. Some people say the jawbone of an ass is still a killer in our century. But there we are. Then we come to the prophecy about the Lord Jesus, and we start to learn about God with us. The word Emmanuel. We learn in the Gospels that the birth, the death, the dying of the Lord Jesus, people said, nobody, nobody spake like this man. And the Lord Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The exact representation of his being, as it says in Scripture. And now, from Pentecost onwards, we hear a bit more about God in us. The Lord Jesus said, he lives with you, and he will be in you. Do you believe the Holy Spirit lives with you? Because it's absolutely true. He will guide you into all truth. He will be with you Forever. Next slide, please. Do you remember what John the Baptist said about him? The Holy Spirit was concentrated in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. He said, I myself wouldn't have known him, except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify... That this is the Son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who will dispense the Spirit, as it were. Next, please. Now, I don't know whether you read any books on the Holy Spirit. There are some good ones around. There are some ones that are, shall we say, not quite so good. I think if you want to know about the Holy Spirit, you should ask the one who really knows. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we read that passage from the Upper Room Discourse. Do you want to know what the Holy Spirit is to us? Really, do you know what he want, what you Do you want to know what he is going to be for us? Well, go to the upper room. Listen to some of the words said about him. The spirit of truth. goodness, our, word, our world needs truth. The counselor, the one who is like nothing this world has to offer. the one sent from the Father in the name of Christ, the one who lives with you the presence of Christ among us. That's all pretty amazing stuff, really, isn't it? Do you remember, next slide please, what the Lord Jesus said about the Holy Spirit and the Father giving him to us? It is not as though your Heavenly Father is stingy with the Holy Spirit, or as if he needs prizing from his unwilling fingers. It is not like that. He says, if you, being evil, get over that, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit, if you ask him? God loves, he loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to give his Holy Spirit to those who come to him in repentance and faith. And it's not wrong to ask It is part of becoming a believer, yes, and it's true right through your Christian life too. Next one, please. On the left there is, I'm not sure how well you can see it, is Rembrandt's famous painting of the returning prodigal son. Um, Very happy to talk to you about it. It's got loads of detail in that's fantastic, actually. But let's just look at the passage just for a moment. The Lord Jesus said, This guy who had messed up transcendentally, you might say, comes back to his father with a message of repentance. Before he's got a chance to get that out, his father runs to him, embraces him, and then he starts saying, Lord, I've sinned against heaven, against earth, and and you, and I'm, I'm not fit to be called your son. Um, He hardly has time to get it out before the Father says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Do you see what our God is like? Satan will tell you he's stingy, he's hard-fisted, he doesn't have time for you and it's lies. Okay? The Lord Jesus Christ is quite explicit. God gives good gifts. His hands are open in compassion. So if any of you here this morning you're not a believer, you know Deep down, I don't. But you know deep down if you're not, I say this to you, God has got open arms for you. He wants to put his spirit into you. And if you've been a Christian who's drifted away as well, let me say this, look, that's what God is like. Do come back to him and have a robe round your shoulders again. Next. We don't tend to think of the Last Supper as a a dark time. But, you know, it's strange, isn't it? In the holiest thing, with the last few hours of the Lord's life, right there is someone who is going to betray the Lord Jesus. Jesus senses it. He groans and says, One of you is going to betray me. He identifies Judas, and then he holds bread and wine out to him, as if to say, Last chance, Judas. Judas takes the bread and wine, but no faith, no repentance. He continue his, continues his betrayal. Out he goes. And the scriptures just say, and it was night. It's, but it's like a dark incubus being taken off the room. Next one, please. And the Lord Jesus, in the next few verses, sort of explodes in praise. Now he's out of the room and he's with his children. My little children, my little children, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. We are not left with no one to speak for us, no one to provide for us, no one to stand up for us, no one to guide us. It is not like that. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come in the person of the Holy Spirit to us. And then... Go through this in your own time. I don't really have time to expand it a lot today. But it is extraordinary what the Lord then says about unity. Not just us being united to each other, although he does pray that in his high priestly prayer. He says, I and my Father are one. And then he goes on to say, you and I are one. You in me and I in you, just as the Father is in the Son. Extraordinary. And then he says, the Holy Spirit and you. You and me. He's talking about really quite profound unity between us and God Himself. God Himself, when you're a believer, comes and lives in you. There is unity between the two of you. If you've ever listened to or looked at some Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox preaching, this is something they have always majored on. You know, it isn't just that our sins are forgiven. Praise God, that is true. But I'll tell you more. God and you, in unity, for good. He living in you, you living in him. Mind-blowing stuff. Next one, please. What will he be like? Well, he'll convict the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. You know, we can't do that. We can speak words to people, but conviction... Is from the Holy Spirit. He'll take what is mine, Jesus said, and give it to you. That's a bit mind-blowing too, isn't it? He will guide you into all truth. And amazing, he said, you know, he's so good for the church that it's okay that I go away. In fact, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because I'm going to send you another of the same. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. Okay, next one please. The word is parakletos. A little bit complicated. Um, These are some of the meanings that it can be uh, translated as. It means really all of these. Um, It means both someone who will be your advocate, your representative, who will comfort you, who will come alongside you. The Holy Spirit is glad to be this for you. And he is described as another paraclete. In other words, Jesus is a paraclete too. And he is described, the Holy Spirit is described as another, like Jesus. Another paraclete. Extraordinary stuff. Next please. What else does Jesus say? Well, it says he's a person. The word pneuma is actually neuter. But John's very naughty and he puts a masculine pronoun in front of it and violates the rules of Greek and says He all right, he is a person. This is someone you can talk to. This is someone who loves. This is someone who loves you. This is someone who is determined to stand by you and walk with you and never go away. He's a gift. You can't earn him for being good. It's not like that. He's a gift from your heavenly father. He's the father's love gift, you might say to us. Forgiveness is a gift of your gracious God and the Holy Spirit is a gift of your loving God. And he will never be withdrawn. He will be with you forever. Isn't that amazing? There is nothing you can do to get rid of the Holy Spirit in your life. Sorry, you can't. You might grieve him. You might turn his face away. He will not walk out on you. I think that's tremendous. And the Spirit comes to live in us. Turn that over in your mind and it starts to be quite profound. Do you want another Spirit other than your own living in you and with you? I tell you, if it's the Holy Spirit, it's wonderful. Because of who he is. Next please. We're not going to go through these, but these are just a few of the things that the New Testament has to say about the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that we can do without the Holy Spirit. And again and again, you find the Scriptures saying, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches who told us of your love in the Spirit. The Spirit gets that word, Abba, dad from our hearts extraordinary next please do you like fruit well the Holy Spirit living in us people should notice and maybe you'll be the last person actually to realise how much you look like the Lord Jesus but if you ask some of the people around you maybe who are not believers they'll say oh no you're, you're kind of different you know, there's something else in you. You know, rather like Daniel would said. you know, here is a man in whom is the spirit of the gods. But now more than that, we know a good deal more. He will produce these fruits in you. Whoa. I have some way to go. But I tell you this, the spirit in us will produce these fruits. Maybe to greater or lesser degrees in different people, but our job is to do this, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. If we're prompted to be like one of these, it's for our good. Okay? So if all of a sudden somebody prompts you and digs you about self-control, don't, don't react with resentment. Yeah, Lord, I need to be better at that, don't I? Let the Holy Spirit grow fruits in you. Next, please. Gifts. The Holy Spirit takes you and whatever gifts he's put in you, both natural and maybe something supernatural as well for the, for the good of the whole church. It may be that you're just, just an administrator. Remember what Paul said, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And I tell you, whatever your gift in the church, you are God's gift to the church in that way. So be prepared to cultivate what the Holy Spirit gives you. Because this is how he helps the church too, by gifting us. Next please. So then, God doesn't just offer us forgiveness of sins. That's wonderful. That's a basic, basic need. He doesn't just offer us adoption into his family forever. He gives us himself He himself will come and live with you. God doesn't hold back. God is not stingy with his love. He is absolutely wonderful. He will just give you himself without any sort of boundaries or that. He wants to be with you and in you. So Christian people, do ask the Spirit to grow in you, to come and live closely with you, to come and change you, to come and gift you, to come and use you, because that's what he's for. Next, please. You see, God isn't just concerned to forge your way back to himself. Oh, praise God, he is concerned about that. He's concerned what happens afterwards with that. You know, when you were coming in the direction of the Lord Jesus. God didn't leave you alone. He came and took you, did he not? And led you to Jesus. He is not going to walk away now in our struggle to follow him from day to day. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He himself. He doesn't want us to turn over a new leaf. He knows us better than that. Rather than that, he is going to come and be in the middle of us. As a church, As each individual Christian, he will never walk out on you. Next, please. You know, you look at the day of Pentecost and you think, goodness, how can there be an explosion of evangelism and witness like that? Well, it's not as if God has changed. It's not as if the apostles either got together and decided they'd better do a bit of evangelism On the contrary, there was just an explosion um, of God's presence. And strange things, you know, taking a vicious gospel opponent like Paul and turning him into the apostle to the Gentiles. Would you have thought of that? Taking the gospel to eunuchs and Samaritans, which the Jews would never have anything to do with. Using the scattering of the Jerusalem church to take the gospel absolutely everywhere, and then Cornelius' search, for a glorious finding of God, with Peter having a change of spiritual software to accommodate all that. And actually being saying, I'm astonished. I saw the Holy Spirit fall on Gentiles. That was a big thing for the early church. But God is bigger than anything that we can imagine through him. Last one, please. I don't know what language you like praying in. Not many of you, I guess, pray in Greek. I hope not too many of you pray in Latin. But whatever it is, this prayer, come Holy Spirit, has been one of the very earliest prayers of the church. We should never stop praying on it. There is no time when we cannot do with more of God's presence amongst us. God is here He is in your hearts. He is in this fellowship. He is in your weak stretching forward. You're not on your own. Remember that when the darkness seems very tough. Remember that the one in you is the hope of glory. The one in you is the Lord Jesus Christ in the presence, in the person rather, of the Holy Spirit You remember the phrase we often say, don't we, at the end of a service, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship. The word is koinonia, which is often used for fellowship. It means sharing. It means joint enterprise. It means doing things together. It means being of one heart. That is the word used of the Holy Spirit and you. You are not in this on your own. There is joint enterprise with the Holy Spirit. You are one heart with him. He loves you dearly. Shall we pray? Lord God, our Father, there is just so much in your word which we skate over. But Father, help us to get this securely in our brains and our hearts and our spirits. That you love us. That you are with us for the long term, for good. That you will never walk away. Father, you haven't changed. The spirit that did something stunning in Jerusalem that first Pentecost day, Father, please do it with us. Lord, we need so much more of you. We want to show your fruits to everybody. We want to display the gifts of the spirit. We want to be spontaneous in talking up for you and telling people, There's a wonderful, wonderful saviour they need to come and embrace. Lord be with us we pray and bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen.